0: This is Case Johnston. This is the Literally Podcast. Uh, We're podcasting today from Booked on 25th on Historic 25th Street in Ogden, Utah. Our guest today is Amanda Luzader, and we're going to talk about her book, Among These Bones, that came out in 2018. Um, She's going to give us a bit bit of a reading, and then we'll jump back in.
1: So this is the very beginning of the book, Chapter 1. We sat on our bikes in the empty street, my grown-up son and I, the son I didn't remember, the son I would forget again. We sat on our bikes, watching the house. It was an ordinary house, but nobody was home, and nobody had been for a long time. The windows were broken. A mailbox lay pushed over and crumpled. Chains hung from the swing set, whining as they swung in the breeze. One house on a street of such houses. One street in a neighborhood of such streets. That one, I asked? Ari unfolded his smudged and rumpled map at the neighborhood where the progress of our searches was marked in pencil. He nodded, and so I tightened my ponytail. We rolled our bikes into the thicket of weeds where a lawn had once grown. It'd been hard to find a bike tall enough for Ari, and almost as hard to find one that wasn't too tall for me. We climbed the steps to the porch. The storm door had been ripped from its hinges, and the door frame was cracked, probably from a search a long time ago, but maybe something worse. Ari pushed on the door and it swung open. We stayed for a moment on the porch. Careful, I said. Mom, he said. At the beginning of the year, I told him he didn't have to call me Mom. He could call me Allison, like everyone else, but he called me Mom anyway, and I liked it. I don't want to be here in the first place, I said. Just be careful. We never knew what we'd find beyond the closed doors. Booby traps, wild animals, mummified corpses, and that was assuming the house was unoccupied. There could be agency goons inside, looking to make trouble, or other lawless characters. I was there to make sure Ari stayed safe. Something about the houses compelled him to search them, and he'd search whether or not I came along. So I helped him. I was his mother." Ari stepped in first, like always. He stood in the living room a few seconds, then shoved his hands in his pockets and took a long, slow look around. He was thin, and tall enough that his head almost touched the ceiling fan. I might never remember how he grew from baby to kid to teen and then into this tall young man. He glanced at me over his shoulder. You coming? Even with my shoes on, I felt the crusted dust on the floor as it crunched underfoot the odors of abandonment, of decay, how many years had passed since someone had stood in that place. There was always a certain excitement when we searched the houses, but I also felt a sense of not belonging, like the home itself was waiting vainly for the children to start up a nerf war in the basement, waiting for the husband to steal a kiss from his wife in the kitchen. When we entered, there was disappointment in the air. We were the wrong family in the wrong home.
2: All right. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This episode of literally is sponsored by Lexicon and Line. Case, tell us a little something about Lexicon and Line.
0: Uh, Lexicon and Line does three things. They, they are communications consultants. They teach professional business writing and speaking courses, and they are research and data evaluation experts.
2: And you can find everything about Lexicon and Line at lexicononline.com. Please give them a visit. And thank you so much for sponsoring this podcast, at Lexicon and Line.
0: Yeah. So this is the opening to Amanda's new book, *Among These Bones*. Um, and having had a chance to read it, it's uh, you would you would term it dystopian. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so we look right immediately into uh, this this uh, into a dystopian novel. And the first thing that we have to establish, or as the author has to establish, is this idea of uh, of a world where where your characters live. And um, we have to kind of know almost immediately that this is not the world in which we live every day now. And I think Amanda's done that really well and we have this kind of these open homes um, where nobody's living and it's dusty and the people haven't been there for a really long time. So we know immediately that this is not Disneyland, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I was wondering if you could talk really quickly about like conceptually, like when you started this book, what like, How this world came into uh, came into your mind when you were thinking, when you were pondering, when you were thinking about writing another book?
1: Yeah. um, So this this whole story kind of came about because I'm a I'm a bit of a hypochondriac. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I I'm the one that's always worried that I'm going to be getting the bird flu or the swine flu or whatever new flu there is. And about four years ago, there was a a news report that there had been the first confirmed case of Ebola in the mm. United States. And and so, of course, that meant eventually I'd be getting Ebola. Mm-hmm. And so it was it was playing on my mind um, quite a bit. And around that same time that I'm hearing uh, these news reports, um, I saw this YouTube video on Facebook about this girl who had um, hit her head and, and she'd lost her memory. She had some short-term amnesia. And those two, Thoughts just kind of went together, and I, I thought, hmm. what would happen if there was some serious illness that was killing people, and the only treatment for that also erased your memories? Mm-hmm. And um, from there, like the world just kind of built itself, you know, picturing first some pandemic that nearly wipes out the entire human race, you know, almost everyone mm-hmm. has died, and then the survivors don't have any memories. And what would the world? look like that to to go to almost extinction mm-hmm. and then the people that are there they don't remember who they are
0: or really what happened right in the they past. don't know yeah.
1: and, and i think with that they're the characters in the book they have a lot of um struggle knowing who to trust because they have this government agency that is saying we had to erase your memories to save your life and there's always a question of well is that is that really true? Mm-hmm. If we can't remember, how right. do we know who we can trust?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's if you when you pick up the book, you'll see that there's there's an immediacy to this idea that nobody trusts each other, and they especially don't trust the agency, and um, and they and it's it's and there are rules that are established really quickly when it comes to this memory thing. And this is uh, what you, what I find really interesting is that they the rules come really fast in the sense that. Um, with the memory, they can remember all the the small things, driving cars and mm-hmm. brushing teeth, and all of those different things that we do as humans. Well, you know, what do we call things? Uh, but they but their memory fails them when it comes to anything. What would you say? Just uh, to what has happened in their lives in the past? Yeah.
1: So uh, I and I I don't know this for sure because I'm not a doctor, mm-hmm. um, but I think that's how like memory loss is in the, in the real life, you know, mm-hmm. you might not forget how to read or how to write or how to drive a car, but you may not remember where you learned those things mm-hmm. or, you know, sitting down and sitting with your parents and them reading to you. And so um, in the book, these characters, they have all of their procedural um, memories. They, they know what things are. They know what um, amusement parks are. Mm-hmm. They know how to do things, but they don't have any contact, context for that Information and and where they um, learned what those things are or how they've experienced them in mm-hmm. the past.
0: Yeah, it's re- it's really interesting. It's a great premise, um, and it hooked me really fast. And um, and I just because I wanted to know, I wanted to know what is the agency? Are they on the people's side? Um, and I wanted to know, and you'll you'll see right at the beginning of the book, uh, the two main characters, the two protagonists, is a mom and a son, Allison and Ari. I was reading it as Ari, so I'm glad that you oh, – no. yeah, <laughs> I was calling him Ari all day and in my brain. Um, I wanted to know like the family dynamic setup, and without giving too much away, um, is there some kind of, for the reader, some doubt as to even – what's happening with the protagonists or if they're family at all or if they're or if they've been you know I mean if they've just been put together or um, anything like that yeah
1: so in the beginning of the book um, this has the the book takes place some time after they've lost their memories and the agency has told these two people that they are related that Mm -hmm. they are mother and son and how, how can you know that's true if you're just told? And so Mm -hmm. there's this adult woman, um, and a teenage boy and, and they're supposed to be mother and son. Mm -hmm. And, um, Allison talks about how she just knows, Mm -hmm. like she just has a feeling that it's right, but she doesn't really have that concrete knowledge Mm -hmm. that you might have had if, if you raise someone um, from infancy, but she and Ari have a very strong bond and a very strong connection. And whether that was manufactured, like did they develop them mm-hmm. that themselves? Like is that something they created themselves? Or is that something um, built in like biologically? I, I don't know and I, the characters don't know really either. I think that's something that they explore mm-hmm. um, as they move through their adventure
0: mm-hmm. and it's 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 almost an as a reader it's it's almost eerie you know and that's i'm guessing that's a feeling you want your your readers to have but it is it's a it's it's eerie it's unsettling but um uh, what, what what amanda's done in the book uh, immediately is make you cheer for these two um you want these two i mean i wanted them to be real family i um, mean like you said she does a, a great job with us, uh, with Allison saying, well, I think it's him. Be- I, I believe it's him because of the way he does this and the way he does that. And uh, I do those things. And it seems so natural that he would, he would be my son and, and, and so on and so forth. Um, I have a question really about restrictions. Um, you have these two protagonists and in this world, um, like, and I've never, I've never even gotten close to writing a dystopia. And I, that, building a world like that to me just it seems scary as a writer. It just seems way too big. Um, do you, when you, when you sat down to start this, was there anything um, that you, you told yourself that where this book could or could not go? I mean, does that make sense?
1: Um, yeah. So mostly I just wanted to show like, the world if society had broken down Mm -hmm. um so you know the 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 things we really take advantage of Mm -hmm. um right now like running water and electricity Mm -hmm. and you know even just um organized government and and jobs that we go to that these people don't don't have it Mm -hmm. um that it's all been stripped away and they're kind of just struggling um not having the things in place that an organized, civilized society would normally provide for you. Mm-hmm. And so I think um, when I was constructing this world, those were the, the things I was thinking of is that it's, it's just broken down and they're having to start over um, rebuilding society. Mm-hmm. It's,
0: it's it's interesting because it's the idea, well, we know right from the very beginning uh, that chronicling what they... What they find throughout was very important. It's really important to Ari, and mm-hmm. Allison goes along with it as well. Um, and it's almost—it's like they're—they're they're going to do their best the next time that they get their memory. What would you call it? Would it be wiped or redone? Or uh, or it's yeah, every time I say, they get, a, I think
1: I—I I say wiped. Wiped. Right.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, because it's when they get treatment, mm-hmm. um, and so they come out of there and they're just lost again. Right. Um, and you. Is that was that the writer in you that put this whole kind of idea of let's let's chronicle what my my character wants to chronicle what's happening, and that's the way we're gonna kind of figure this out together?
1: I, I definitely think um, that aspect of the story came from me being a writer mm-hmm. myself because um, writing stories is such a big part of who I am. and I, I do just have this belief that we come to understand, Um, life and being human through examining stories Mm -hmm. Um, and and so I I think for for me I I was asking if my memories were erased and I knew they were going to be erased again at the end of the Mm -hmm. year what could I do to give myself some link to the past so that I'm not just you Mm -hmm. know being reborn Mm -hmm. um, a blank slate every year and and I think I just thought to myself well I would try to write down everything that I could so I could remember again.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a really interesting concept and it, and I like it. It's, it's in there. They, they start off by searching homes, you know, searching for anything to kind of tell them what happened in the past and they get something like a diary and they feel like, okay, this is really cool. Maybe we'll get a glimpse of anything. Um, and then, um, they find other things like videos and so on and so forth. So they they're trying to put together a larger puzzle, and the reader's trying to put it together too, which mm-hmm. makes it really a fun, uh, a fun read. But a read that you're 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 quizzical, you're you're thinking the entire, the entire time about what you know what when is this when is the rug going to be pulled out from underneath our feet? And it's a it's a good feeling as a reader. Um, I thought that was really, um, really worthwhile in that point. Um, I was wondering too. Where did you? No, you never got Ebola, right? No. no okay. Good. No, yeah, I still <laughs> it, amazingly,
1: I took my vitamin C good, and well. Yeah, good. well. That's good. <laughs> so.
0: I I'm glad that it. You know, I mean, that that could have spread like crazy. Yeah. Um, that's really. Sc- I think those things too. Like I'm I'm the type of person that, if like somebody like is sick one way, I'm like I think I'm getting that. You know, m- my heart hurts a little bit So me. You know, I ever I'm, since
2: I, the movie Outbreak, I've been yeah a little paranoid. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and that's I mean, and that's and that's something um, with dystopia, right? I mean, is there something within this, like in the book or in within writing it, where the paranoia is just as big as the reality? Does it make sense? Yeah. The um,
1: well, well, the characters um, they have been told that they're still infected, and that's why they have to mm-hmm. continue the treatment. But not everybody does because we have um, this governing. Organization that they call the agency, and not all of those people have to receive treatment, and mm-hmm. so it's kind of a unfair world where some people are losing their memories and some people aren't. But um, the the dystopian world um, is kind of uh, where they're trying to develop a perfect society, mm-hmm. um, but things just go terribly right. wrong, mm-hmm. and so I, I would kind of say that the agency is is trying to make things right but things are still really awful and miserable
0: mm-hmm.
1: for the the people living in the communities
0: mm-hmm. the people that are still alive wondering what's happening in the past who they are mm-hmm. I and mean, that's a dis that's a disheartening feeling to wake up every year
2: i yeah. mean it would be
0: wake up every year and start over and just kind of not know who you are as as a person. It would feel mm-hmm. like com- you'd feel completely lost, I think, in yeah. that world.
1: I think it'd be really depressing mm-hmm. um, just you know, to be an adult and, and not have any past and mm-hmm. not um, having learned from anything. And there's a, a character in the book named Ruby mm-hmm. who's an older woman, and, and she talks about how she's lost so much more because Allison's um, younger. And so Allison didn't have as many memories mm-hmm. to have, lost and and ruby is you know toward the i'm not going to say toward the end of her life but she's advancing in years Mm -hmm. and so it um to her it's like being an infant right you know having no memories at all Mm -hmm. and and not having much more life to -hmm. go
0: And being much older. Right. Like I've, yeah. And like for the, the younger, for like Ari, he's got a lot less to lose, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, um, which is an interesting point. And I guess it would change the characters emotionally too, you know, because one, if you have, if you've lost more, there's going to probably be more anger or there's going to be more frustration. And there's going to be all these things that, um, knowing that there was something else there that you can't grasp, you know, and that's kind of, as a reader that comes across really, uh, really well. Um, I, they, you brought up a really good point about like dystopia um, in the sense that a lot of people think of, uh, of dystopia as the opposite of a utopia, but it's not. It's, it's this idea that uh, we're trying to make something mm-hmm. and make it perfect, but then it goes horribly, horribly wrong. Um, so with these two, where, where, did, where did you come up with, the, I was going to have a mom and a son?
1: Cool. um i'm a mom myself mm-hmm. of two boys and I, I think that was just a, a natural selection to me I, the book is not about me mm-hmm. um but not I, nonfiction. fiction <laughs> it's not a nonfiction <laughs> <Yeah>. book um <laughs> thank god the I,
0: ebola didn't make it make it to yeah. to amanda <laughs> right.
1: you know um I, it's much easier for me to write things that i have actually experienced mm-hmm. um so it well nothing in this book is my experiences but I can relate to being a mother of a Mm -hmm. son and so that's I think why um my main character is a mother of a son um because I I I can relate very strongly to how it feels to have a son and that bond that a Mm mother-son would have
0: yeah and that comes across the things too where where Allison says well I think he's I believe he's my son because of the way he acts in this situation and that situation. And there's a closeness and there's a bond um, that comes across immediately in the book.
2: Um, And so I think everybody should buy it. Oh, me too. Did you, yeah. uh, yeah. (laughs) So without, so I haven't had a chance to read it. Did you, but was it composed um, with a series in mind?
1: Yes. um, It's going to be a three book series. Mm -hmm. And so the second book should be coming out before the end of the year.
0: Cool. Yeah, that's great. Was, that's exactly kind of what exactly what I was going to write or ask is um, the nitty gritty stuff. Like how, how long did it take to write this one? Is this one of those books that once you figured, once you figured it out, cause I think it, uh, writing a dystopian like this to me, I've, uh, I figure there's a lot of puzzles, pieces you have to put together before you can finish this thing, you know, mm-hmm. cause there's a lot of things uh, that have to happen or have to be within the plot to make it so people don't, you know, just because you know how people do it—if they get it off the plot for a little bit, they're like, "I'm done with this book," you know. And I feel like with a dystopian book, you have to put all those things together. Once you got those things together, how long did it take to, to put oh, this one out? Do
1: you know this book was actually a, a huge challenge for me, mm-hmm. and uh, unfortunately, it took like four years um, to come up with a version. This last version of it. And the original book I actually co-wrote with Chad Van Zant in the, mm-hmm. our very first draft. He's
0: moving around behind me.
1: Uh, yeah, he's here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of scaring me, actually. <laughs> like, what's he going to do? Um, yeah.
1: Um, and we were trying to get it published through a traditional mm-hmm. publisher and was sending it to a lot of agents. And, and we, we were really proud of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and we liked a lot... Of things in it and we were getting a lot of full manuscript requests from agents and they would send us these personalized notes back saying oh this was really interesting i love the concept i love the characters but it's not it's not right for me good luck and it, it was disheartening because we could tell something was off with the book something was not quite right but we couldn't really figure out what that was
0: Did and you cut chad is that what you did? What? You just, so you just cut Chad? <laughs> yeah. Figure that, there's something not right with this book.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no, no. Chad, no. Chad and Amanda no, are, are um, married, so she can yes. do that now. We weren't married when uh. when we first started this project, but um, we are now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, we finally sent it to an an agent, um, who another agent who rejected it, but she was kind enough to write us a very detailed note Saying what was wrong mm-hmm. with the book, and I got her note and it was kind of an aha moment. It was like, yeah, that's exactly why this book isn't working. There is this major flaw with it, and it it was really discouraging because it like affected the entire mm-hmm. story, and it had already taken like a couple years of writing it and rewriting it to get it to that point. Yeah, and and at that point, I think Chad and I both were just like, let's just drop this project and and move on to something else just cut our losses and and so we did we kind of just set it aside and like a year later um I was reading a a book um by John Truby about story structure and it it was kind of like I just saw exactly what needed to change in the book Mm -hmm. um but it would involve rewriting the entire thing and at by that time Chad was busy working on other projects he was writing his fly fishing books and Mm -hmm. and so i i decided just to take on the project on my own and and rewrite it and um chad was there the whole way he's not just my husband he's also my editor Mm -hmm. (laughs) so uh, chad was still helping with that but i i rewrote it on my own and felt like now i had a a book that worked um still taking the same characters and the same idea but fixing the plot problems that Mm -hmm. were in there before
0: you just wish with something like that, that somebody would have said it earlier. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, you know, maybe before I started
1: writing, that would (laughs) have been, that that would have been a good time. I know,
0: (laughs) but you don't, you don't see it and you can't see it, especially when you're so invested in a project and somebody just has to just with different eyes can tell you. And, um, yeah, that's, that's a long time. That's a long time. I mean, but, um, but it all is, right? right? I mean, this business that we're in is everything's long. You know, it's the slowest business in the world, and yeah, um, and it's heartbreaking. Um, so, well, I'm glad. I'm glad that you pushed through and cut Chad. Um, you know, oh, I mean, poor Chad, <laughs> Poor Chad. No, <laughs> um, yeah. no, but that's yeah, that's that's interesting. I I, I did a, I started writing a book with uh, someone else once, and it just didn't work out. You know, it yeah. was, it's hard.
1: I would not recommend co-writing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I told you that Chad and I weren't married. Um, when we first started writing the book, we were just friends. And then sometime in those four years we started dating and then we would fight about the book mm-hmm. and we actually broke up a couple times over disagreements related to this book. And I, I think maybe, um, you shouldn't mix <laughs> relationship <Yeah. laughs> and business. Yeah. Um, I don't know, maybe writing.
0: I mean, that's, it's gotta be, I can't imagine writing something with my wife. Yeah. You know, there's just, there's no way we would probably kill each other. Yeah. (laughs) Um, because it's so personal and it's, and, and you, and it's really funny with, when it comes to relationships with writing, it's like somebody you don't know could say something awful about your writing. You don't care, but it's the people who are closest. The Mm -hmm. one little thing, like, I don't know about that paragraph. Wow. Jeez. We hate the whole thing, you know? And it, that would be hard.
1: Yeah. And I think there was a lot of insecurity that a, a lot of my insecurities that came out when we were writing together. Cause sometimes it would be like, Oh wow. His writing is, is much better than mine and I'm not good enough to write together with him. And other times it'd be like, Oh, he did not do this section very good and I hate it. And how am I going to tell him mm-hmm. that I don't think his writing in this section yeah. was up to par and, uh, it was just so much more emotional mm-hmm. than it is writing on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, of course, isn't the reason that he wasn't on this rewrite. It was more just a timing thing that I was ready to move on, and mm-hmm. he was busy with his other books. Um, but, yeah, I, I would be hesitant to start another co-writing Yeah,
0: yeah. it's, it's hard. <laughs> it's really hard. Well, talking about the writing, there was one that the second paragraph in the book um, – when I was reading it stuck with me uh, just because the way in which it, the way in which it's written, where it's got this really, I I love the way that it flows out and how you, you, uh, within your your diction and your syntax play with it a lot. And I'm going to read it again. It's not going to be as good as you're reading it, but I think (laughs) when it comes to the writing, this really struck me, and there's quite a few points uh, within the book that are like this, and it's really cool. Um, It was an ordinary house, but nobody was home, and nobody had been for a long time. The windows were broken. A, A mailbox lay pushed over and crumpled. Chains hung from the swing set, whining as they swung in the breeze. One house on a street of such houses, one street in a neighborhood of such streets. That's what, uh, that's just a cool paragraph. And I, when I was reading it, I was like, "That's a that's a great paragraph." So, uh, it's it's something that when you start a, a book with language mm-hmm. like that, um, I don't know how people wouldn't read it. You know, does that make sense? Um, I'm, I'm just paying you a compliment. That's it. There's, oh, no, question. Well, <laughs> There's no question at the end <laughs> of this. Uh, uh,
2: I, have a, I have a question yeah. on that, though. When, I, boy, I don't really, I'm, I'm not quite sure how to frame it. Um, when, that's sort of a, a poetic and it mm-hmm. flows. And so, um, when do you make that conscious decision to use that type of language and that writing style for the story that's being told? You know, the arc of the story, and does it match or does it have to match or or can it or what what should it contrast like sometimes the saddest songs written are sung in with an upbeat tempo and you would never know you know Mm -hmm. and so when do you make the the, those those choices to sort of fit along with with the plot
1: do you know I wish that I could always um have that type of language Mm -hmm. um you know that language that not only is moving along the plot, but is also beautiful to hear. I think that's, um, where the art part of literature comes in. And I'm always trying to balance, um, the artistic side with the entertainment side. And, and ideally I'd be able to accomplish both throughout the entire book. I'm not that good of a writer, so I do it when I can. And when I can't, I, I don't, but I'm always striving um, to improve my writing and Mm. and get closer to that point where it's as entertaining as it is artistic, and that's uh, going to be probably my my life work to progress towards achieving that.
0: Sure. Well, I think that paragraph kind of disagrees with you on the writing part. Oh, (laughs) I'm not that good of a writer. We just it was the great. It was a great paragraph, and I think it disagrees with, with that humble. It kind says of, a lot in you, a small space. It really does. It really does. And um, I think uh, readers who pick this up um, um, will see that immediately. Again, this is Case Johnston. This is a literally podcast talk. Today we're talking with Amanda Luzader uh, about her new book, Among These Bones, a dystopian novel that um, came about because she was scared of Ebola. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, I get it. Right? <laughs> um, With, well, I don't know. Should we ask about book two? Can we talk about book two? Yeah, sure. Okay, yeah. So- from this without giving too much away that happens at the end of this one what do you want to share about book two ones
1: so book one really takes place in these communities with um, the people that have had their memories erased and book two kind of moves into more what's happening within the agency mm. so we're going to get to see a lot more of the characters that are within the kind of government a government organization the the agency and get to see more of their stories and what their goals are and what their plans are and how they feel mm-hmm. about what what's going on in the communities with people and the illness and everything else so
0: well, that'd be that'd be a nice nice switch right kind of moving from yeah really personal to kind of the maybe the larger structure of what's going on behind the scenes um are these two characters going to be as present or less present
1: yeah um the whole series will follow um Mm -hmm. alison the main character and yeah when when you're dealing with people losing their memories i think it's kind of fun because you can you know have completely different relationships between the same characters so um if Allison knows someone in book one and then in book two, they've had their memories erased, mm-hmm. then it's like, you have to s- establish a whole new mm-hmm. relationship between those characters. And it could be a completely different relationship than they had in the, in the first book. Yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, I, I think it'll, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. And
0: this one's not, this one's not going to be, this one didn't take four years. No, Yeah. no, I, was... It's.
1: I'm still kind of finalizing mm-hmm. the second book, but, much faster <laughs> this yeah. year
0: yeah Well, that's good it's good to hear and um
2: I had one more one more we're we're sitting in front of the Stephen King section we are here. sitting
0: yes, <laughs> yes. No, don't bring it up <laughs> yeah. that, that was on the other podcast
1: that's <laughs> embarrassing you know I but
0: was. the question I had though was because um,
2: because you were rediscovering Stephen King what you know is there anything that you learned from his writing that you were able to apply to your own
1: do you know one thing um in our in the other podcast, we talked about Stephen King's book, Misery, and um, in Misery, Stephen King uses metaphors a lot. Um, the the character in Misery um, is in a car accident and he's in a lot of pain, and um, Stephen King's used this metaphor that there are these um, pilings, and when the pain is really bad, they are... Uh, sticking up out of the water, but when he gets medication and the pain goes mm-hmm. away, then it's covered with the water and and the pilings go away and you mm-hmm. can't see them because they're under the the surface. Mm-hmm. And he used several other um, metaphors throughout the book, and I think he just uses them so well that mm-hmm. you understand exactly like what that would feel like and and what that means. And then it's also so beautiful mm-hmm. as well. So. Um, that is something that I, I've noticed in Stephen King's writing that I would like to try to incorporate sure. into my own. Um, and those metaphors he didn't just use, you know, once. That they are throughout Mm-mm. the whole book, and he returns to them again and again. And so it's like a metaphor for the entire story. And so I've been giving that some thought, wondering, okay, how can I do can that I do when it? I'm yeah. writing my books?
0: Yeah, that's hard. That's hard cause it's hard because it's hard because. You don't want it to be too much on the nose and you want it to mean something but right. you want it to be subtle, but at the same time the metaphor works. And yeah. It's a lot of work. Yeah, that's hard.
1: Trying to find that perfect metaphor mm-hmm. that represents exactly the situation mm-hmm. and not one that you're just, you know, throwing in there to have a metaphor. Yeah. Um, but one that is fitting and
0: appropriate.
2: Mm-hmm. So it's almost as like he had the metaphor first and then decided to write a story around it. He could.
0: Yeah. You never know. Yeah. Um, that, you never know. I mean, she was scared of Ebola. Yeah. And that's how a book started. You know, I mean, and right. that's it's uh that's that's how it goes. Um that's how books come about. And mm-hmm. but once the the idea is like the fun part, right? And then the writing and figuring oh, it yeah. out. <laughs> I mean coming up yeah. with the idea is the mm-hmm. easy mm-hmm. part for
1: me and um yeah, that's definitely the fun part and just having the concept. Yeah, that's the easiest part, I think. Mm-hmm. Then yeah. writing the, the book yeah. becomes much more difficult. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. How many words is this one?
1: Oh, I, I think it's just under 70,000.
0: Yeah, the sweet spot. 65 to 85,000 yeah. words. Um, uh, this is Case Johnston. This is the Literally Podcast. We're at Booked on 25th today and on Historic 25th Street in Ogden, Utah. We're joined uh, by Amanda Luzader and uh, Chad Van Zetten sitting behind me. Um, he's making me a little nervous. Uh, oh, dear. <laughs> but... Uh... He's, he's doing all okay, right. Yeah, he's yeah. just checking his phone. Okay, good. Um, it, so uh, when Brandon gives me the five minutes, this is the question that I always like to ask here is, what coming here today to talk to us, is there anything that you want to share about your writing, about the book, about anything, about the business, about anything uh, that you'd share with people who you obviously want to pick the book up and want to read your work? And um, is there anything there that you'd like to share?
1: Well, I'm just so happy to be here. First of all, thank you for inviting me to be on your show. I would love people to read my book if it's something that sounds mm-hmm. interesting to them. My goal as a writer is primarily to make sure that people are enjoying themselves, that it's a good experience when they're reading my stories. And I hope I've achieved that. I, I realized that um, there's not going to be one book that everybody loves, but um, for people who enjoy dystopian stories and and people who um, can understand what it's like to have a, a parent-child relationship, mm-hmm. I would hope that this would be a book that would um, be interesting to them. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of dystopian books have you know, these really rugged, tough characters are really kick ass. And Allison isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I feel like Allison's more like how I would be if it was the end of the world. You know, mm-hmm. I don't have any special skills and I'm not um, going to be super brave or anything like that. But I, I would fight fiercely for any of my children. Mm-hmm. I think most mothers can relate to that, that we all become mama bears Mm -hmm. when our child is in danger. And so um, I just wanted to tell a story of what, you know, an everyday type of mother would be like in this type of end of the world situation.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that's, um, and you'll find within the book too, that this relationship and the world uh, where Amanda has taken us, is very very tangible it's very very relatable it's very much uh you believe these characters and it is that feeling of you know that while this might be a dystopian book um it's a real it's a book that's it's real when it comes to the relationships and that's i think those are those are the best best kind of dystopian books out there is the ones we care about the people the most um that's why they say that uh all the Marvels do really well and the, the, the DC characters don't do well. It's that mm. they just, they have not on, on, t, on the, in the movies is yeah. they, 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 with the Marvel, they show us the neighborhood with DC, they shows like the whole universe, even though, you know, and so you fall in love with the neighborhood instead of falling in love with the universe. But that's, I mean, with this book, that's kind of where we start. We start in a neighborhood and we start and we learn about a people living, living <laughs> through the, what, what has happened again thank you for joining us
1: thank you yeah i mean so much
0: if you pick up the book again it's among these bones uh by amanda luzader and i'm sure she'd love to come to any of your book clubs yes definitely yes right i will travel yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh thanks again Yeah, yeah thank you